Afghanistan fever virus may persist for a long time in dead wild boar carcass, especially in bone marrow. You have to remember that during winter time, virus may persist up to five months in dead wild boar bone marrow. Therefore, again, I underline that wild boar may serve as a reservoir of the virus for a very long time. Hello, welcome to this episode in the Meet the Experts series brought to you by Beringer Ingelheim on swine health topics. My name is Peter Best. I'm pleased you can join me for a second segment of our conversation about African swine fever with Professor Sigmund Pesak in Poland. For almost 50 years, he's been an acknowledged international expert on porcine health, both as head of the Polish National Veterinary Research Laboratory until his retirement, and also by heading reference laboratories for PERS and classical fever on behalf of World Animal Health Organization, OIE. Recent years have found him playing a central role in Poland's own fight against ASF. Professor Pesak, in a previous podcast, we have spoken about the influence of wild boar populations on the spreading of ASF and the rate of spread of the virus in European countries. Should we assume that key factors in its dissemination are the resistance and the persistence of the virus? Yes, I can say that Afghan swine fever virus may persist for a long time in dead wild boar carcass, especially in bone marrow. You have to remember that during winter time, virus may persist up to five months in dead wild boar bone marrow. Therefore, again, I underline that wild boar may serve as a reservoir of the virus for a very long time. And what is more, due to slow spreading among infected pigs and the initial lack of clinical signs of Afghan swafri in many animals, it is not easy to detect the disease in the affected farm. We learned this in Poland, but on the beginning, we did many mistakes because it's a not classical picture like, we, like it is presented in textbook. I would like to say you that German veterinarians should remember about the differential diagnosis and rapid laboratory diagnosis in order to differentiate the AFS most of all from erysipelas. Many mistakes on the beginning. Please remember, differentiate ASF from erysipelas after that from classical swine fever, which is absent in Europe. But remember also about porcine dermatitis and nephropathy syndrome. It is not easy to recognize African swine fever in herd, swine herd affected very fast. We have to learn, you have to learn this. Indeed. Uh, so erysipelas most of all, but also classical swine fever, PERS, and uh, any other effect that could have skin signs, I yes. suppose. Especially PDNS. Yes. PDNS. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to return to the question of genotypes in a minute, but could I ask you one more question about actions before I do that? We talked about 
the situation in Asia very briefly. Uh, in Europe, the established protocol against ASF is to cull all pigs in an infected farm. But in Asia, China in particular, I've heard about another method which has several names apparently, including test and remove, partial depopulation, even tooth extraction, because it's like visiting a dentist to have a bad tooth removed. The idea, I think, is to cull only the infected pigs on a site and leave the others so the farm can continue in production. Do you see any possibility that other countries will need to adopt such a procedure? In other words, find a way of living with ASF? I visited China just after the first outbreak of Afghan swine fever, and I noticed that since beginning, legally or illegally, they introduced the rule of partial depopulation. In my opinion, it is maybe it makes sense from economical point of view, because sometimes because due to fact that you have 100 pigs affected, you have to kill 50,000 pigs, other pigs, and destroy them, maybe from economical point of view. But from epidemiological point of view, it's a very big mistake. If you decide to control disease by partial depopulation, you also decide to live with this, with this disease for a very long time, maybe forever. So it is against OIE rules, it is against epidemiological rules. It maybe makes sense for short term because of economical, uh, from economical point of view. But I am against this and I'm sure that no one can accept such methods in agriculture developed countries like in European Union or USA or some other countries. And it will result in those countries which apply it in the virus therefore staying longer in that country. Yes, for sure. This much longer, maybe forever, because someday they should decide to change strategy. But probably at that time, majority of swine herds will be already infected and we will have classical endemic form of Afghan swine fever. And maybe after five, ten, maybe after 15 years, the picture of the disease will change. And to detect the farm affected by African swine fever virus will be not as easy as today. However, today is also difficult. Thank you. Uh, before we continue, Professor Pesak, could I just take a moment to thank our listeners for joining us in this conversation about African swine fever in an international perspective. We're talking to Professor Sigmund Pesak in Poland, uh, taking advantage of his international experience and expertise over many years. And uh, there will be more African swine fever podcasts on the Meet the Expert. Uh, series, uh, so you can find them there. But thank you for joining us. Professor, I'm going to come back, therefore, to uh, the question of genotypes. Uh, this genotype 2 that we encounter now in Europe, where and when did that originate? As far as I'm concerned, only two genotypes of African swine fever are known to occur outside the Africa. But within Africa, at least another 23 genotypes of Afghan swine fever virus are present. 
I, I assume in Africa they, those, their presence is often in in wild animals. Uh, does the do the fact that we've got two known to occur outside Africa does this suggest they're the only two that have adapted to infecting domestic pigs? Do we need to monitor others among the known genotypes in case they evolve and present a threat to us in the future? Again, thank you for good questions. And I would like to say that, in fact, genotype 1 and 2 only were responsible for most of the outbreaks in domestic pigs. And because of this, the clinical course after infection with those two virus genotypes is well known and described. However, other genotypes were isolated and clinical trials have been conducted, for example, with genotypes 9 and 10 from Uganda, or recently detected, detected genotype 23 from Ethiopia. And this suggests that the virus could be virulent to domestic pigs independently of the genotype. Therefore, the effective surveillance based on the conserved P72 gene is required in any affected or potentially affected country to control the potential introduction of a novel virus genotype. Would you just uh, remind me, please? I, I certainly don't know. Conserved P72 gene yes. uh, was the basis of surveillance, you said. Could you just ex explain that to me very briefly, please? Yes, because this, this conserved gene is in all 23 genotypes. So, because we never know when new genotype will appear in Europe or somewhere else, so we have to to, to do molecular diagnosis based on detecting of such gene. Let me pause for a moment to remind everyone that more information on this conversation, like articles, publications, and videos, can be found on the website pers.com. I am really good, yeah. I'm going to come to vaccination, which genotypes may or may not affect. It would make a huge difference if we could vaccinate our pigs against ASF, wouldn't it? Why is there no internationally accepted vaccine for this, even after all the years of fighting the disease? Does the modern increase in research on the subject offer us real hope that an effective vaccine can be found at last? Uh I can say that development of vaccine against Afghan swine fever for domestic pigs and wild boar is very, very, very difficult and complex issue. Starting from the ASF episodic in Spain during the 70s of last century, the huge efforts have been taken in order to develop and apply the effective vaccine against this disease. I remember my stay in Madrid with Professor Sanchez Vizcaino in 1980s. At, at that time, they already worked on vaccine. Unfortunately, because of not fully effective virus attenuation, the vaccination of pigs in Spain against Afghan swine fever leads to the intensification of Afghan swine fever virus and the disease spread all over the country. The only solution <clears throat> for this situation 
was implementation of dramatic stamping out procedure of almost all pigs heard in Spain. So we know today that the main issue is the lack of neutralizing antibodies production by the infected wild boar with full virus. Wild boar and pigs infected by full virus do not produce neutralizing antibodies. This complicates the potential roads of vaccine development. Hope, I hope that the effort of scientific teams, most of all from Perbright Institute, headed by Dr. Linda Dixon, or from Plum Island Animal Disease Center, will shed a new light on the potential development of the efficient vaccine. But it is almost clear that it should be live vaccine, live attenuated vaccine, developed by genetic engineering approach. Well, I would like to say more that we have another issue. And another issue is to development of supplementing strategy called DIVA. We need DIVA, we, we have deleted vaccine, recombinant vaccine uh, and the DIVA system. And this DIVA system allow us to differentiate between vaccinated and infected animals. Will, will that happen? I, I, I mean, I, I, is, is, is that a possibility or is that a fantasy in your view to be very blunt? I will tell you, everything is possible. And I think that in some days we will discover and detect and produce some good vaccine, but we have many other issues to solve because we have to remember that we, if we like to control African swine fever among wild boar, we have to use bites, yes? So it means we have to apply strategy for bites location within the soil, like we did this in Germany with classical swine fever. I remember a very good experience and efficient experience in control of classical swine fever among uh, wild boar using bites. But, and I learned a lot during this time from Germany, how to distribute bites. This is crucial to look, to distribute properly bites. It is crucial to immunize wild boar of different ages, sows, winners, or piglets, because they are rooting in different level of the soil. So please so remember- you, Sorry to interrupt you. You therefore saying you're locating the vaccine at various depths of the soil because of these different rooting levels? Is, right. is that the application you're saying? Yes, so you have to distribute a vaccine, not like we are doing this, for example, with vaccine against rabies for foxes, distributing vaccine from planes. But we have to distribute this such vaccine manually by people. Each vaccine should be in different places, on different uh, place, in, in proper place under the ground. It's very complicated and need a very you know, time consuming and very expensive. So it would be not easy, even if we have good vaccine and DIVA system, it would be very difficult to vaccinate at least majority of wild boar, what is necessary to control the disease. Yes, yeah, so it sounds a hugely complicated thing. I mean, 
what's the earliest there might even be a chance of a vaccine, an effective vaccine against ASF on the market then? Uh, but I will, I will add something more. Taking all these difficulties, we have also remembered about legislation, about mm. legislation. We are in European Union, and I am almost sure that in European Union, it will be very difficult to introduce and to use vaccine against African swine fever. Probably will be like with classical swine fever or pseudorabies or just diseases that that the country which which decides to use vaccine for control of Afghan swine fever will be treated as a country affected by this disease. It's only my um, judge, but uh, but it's many many issues which have to solve when we are talking about vaccine. Therefore, I always underline with my uh, with farmers and with veterinarians and with scientists that the only way which is very efficient and which we have to introduce and to 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 push all farmers to do this is biosecurity biosecurity is number one and only tool to control uh, the disease among swine and what I like to add, we have to learn also in Germany, we have to learn how to produce pigs having Afghan swine fever virus in the forest or in the field. So you've got, therefore, a, a multi-step process there. You say uh, complete stamping out on farms where there is the infection. You're saying biosecurity to prevent entry. You're saying reduction of the wild boar population significant and, reduction yes yeah, significant reduction and and in these ways there might be uh, even without a uh, there may not be a need for a vaccine in in those countries where stamping out becomes possible yes and uh, and vaccine it's a we we are dreaming about vaccine but practically it will take long time long long time so Again, I underline biosecurity, biosecurity not only for swine farm, but also biosecurity during hunting. The hunters should remember about biosecurity. Very often hunters might be, and they, they've been, uh, let's say, a vector of Afghan swine fever virus spreading. They should be very careful and remember about biosecurity. Mm. Thank you. On that note, I regret, Professor Pesak, we must finish this podcast. Uh, many thanks for joining us and giving us your international perspective on African swine fever. Thank you also to our listeners. Yes, I say you will find a number of podcasts about African swine fever in the Meet the Expert series from Beringer Ingelheim. Until the next time, then, goodbye and stay tuned. We want to remind you that more information on this conversation, like articles, publications and videos, can be found on the website pers.com.